Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Let's go to God in prayer as we begin our study together. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this moment uh, that we get to just be with each other and we get to just spend time in your word. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity to preach from this passage. Uh, Be with us as we study Romans chapter 12 uh, over the remainder of this year. Uh, May it encourage us. May it push us uh, to a a greater life uh, with you. May it push us to a life of maturity, God, because that's really what this chapter is about. Uh, Help us to open up our hearts and our minds to your spirit today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So as you open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 uh, really does fit this, this kind of idea of fix it, a, a renovated life. Romans chapter 12, if, if you start at the beginning and read to the end, you basically get this picture that's painted of what it means to be a mature Christian, what it means to, to be a Christian that your life is lived uh, in, in the most godly way possible, and, and the things that are going to come out of your life, the, the personality that you're going to have, the different um, attitudes that you're going to have. And today, as we look at the first couple of verses, he really sets up the rest of the chapter. Although I think the first two verses maybe get the most attention, it's really just the introduction to a lot of the depth that uh, goes on in the rest of this chapter. Now, uh, I'm going to introduce kind of our, our, our stuff this way. How many of you know these two people? I can't think of what, What's their names? You know them? What's their names? I just have their picture. Do you remember? Do you know they're going to do what? Somebody? Ben and Aaron. Okay. They have this show on HGTV called Hometown. And what they did, what they decided is they loved, started out their little town in Mississippi, and they loved their community. And so they decided to go in, and it's like all these other renovation shows, you know, but they were going to go in and they were going to kind of rejuvenate their own community because they had been blessed with other things. And so what they do is they come into your home or they help this couple that want to buy a house and they take their budget and they renovate uh, different things. This is just some of the renovations. You've all seen these shows. This is a living room in one of the first houses they did, uh, and this is what it turned into. These pictures are kind of blown out a little bit, but I- I'm sorry. Uh, then, you know, here's a dining room that they did, and they turned it into something like this. Um, the kitchen. Kitchens are my favorite because I did countertops for a period in my life, and the kitchens have always interested me. Um and also, it's probably one of my favorite rooms in the house because that's where you eat. Um, but they, they took this and, and did this with it. And then they did this. Wait, where'd it go? They did this. Although, I'm going to be honest with you, I can eat in this kitchen just as well as this one. Um, but you know, kind of what they do, kind of their thing, their thing is to take, you know, an older house, kind of strip it down to its bare bones in certain ways, and then renovate it, build it back up. The old is, is taken out, and the new is kind of put in and, and recreated. And that takes me uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to think about this with me. Because, as I'm sorry, Romans chapter, yeah, I know 1 Corinthians, I'll, I'll get with you in a minute. So Paul is, is talking to these Christians about grace and a lot of different things, and, and, and he's wanting to remind them of, of something. He says, or don't you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom? 
do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if you just stop right there, and as you, if you're listening to him, uh, maybe you were, you were listening to him, uh, have, have this read to you for the first time, uh, and the Corinth church kind of heard it, you know, it was maybe easier for them to go, yes, that's right, amen. Like, you know what, they're not going to go to heaven, right? And then he kind of tags it with this, and he goes, and that's what some of you were. And that's what some of you were. I want you to let that just kind of sink in for a second, okay? That these previous slides of, of these lists of sins, okay, for many of us, that represents our story, doesn't it? I want you to just think of your own life and think of where you are and where you've come from and maybe where you are right now. It may not be where you've come from. It's just where you are. And we all can look back in our stories and we can see moments and times where it was, it was struggle. It was, it was sinful. It was not defined by God. Now, some of you have been Christians the majority of your life now, and it's, it's hard to remember that. But Paul wants his readers to remember that at one time in your life, this was your life. It hasn't always been this. It hasn't always been the greatness of God, the glory of God. It hasn't always been the beauty of God. Sometimes it, it was just this. It was faded countertops and it was dirty windows and <coughs> a refrigerator that was just shoved over into the corner and, you know, mismatched stuff here and there. He says, no, you've not always been this. And I want you to know that that's the purpose of what we're going to talk about today. The purpose of what we're going to talk about today goes back to, to this. He goes, and that's what some of you were, but... I want you to think about this. Maybe if you want to, you can think about it this way in your own life. Instead of the word you, put the word I there. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You see, that's that's the key point here. If we're going to live a, 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 a renewed life, if we're going to live a rebuilt life, if we're going to live a life that's trying to fix the old and coming to the new, we're going to have to understand that it starts with this moment in our life. It starts with that moment where our sins were washed away through the waters of baptism. And in that moment, we were sanctified uh, through the Spirit of God and we were justified in the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. But that, that's, that's that hinged pivot point for us. That puts us into this renovated life. But even after, even after our life looks like this, what happens if I never clean this kitchen? What happens to it? It gets what? Dirty. If things will quit working. Things will turn back into this. And so that's what I want us to do over the next few weeks is I want us to spend some time in the book of Romans chapter 12 and I want us to look at what God says, what Paul says through the Holy Spirit, of this is what a renovated life looks like. When you have all of that old stripped away, all those old things you used to struggle with, all those old sins that used to define you, when you have all of those things stripped away, this is what God rebuilds inside of you. And it starts with this passage that we're going to look at today from Romans chapter 12. Let's start, and we're going to just kind of add to it as we go. He starts out... Um, he says, therefore, I urge you, 
brother and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Okay, anytime you see the word therefore in a sentence, you have to look back and go, what did he put it there for? I told you all of that so that I could tell you this. So what has Paul just told them? Paul has spent some time back in chapter 11 talking about how at one time, hey, the Jewish people were God's chosen and they fell away and now the kingdom is open to everyone, to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And basically here's the idea. Now you've been invited into the house. You've been invited into the house. You've got the opportunity to live in the mansion, if you will, that is God's home. And I think we understand that. I think we understand, you know, that we've been blessed and given the opportunity to live in the kingdom, to be in God's house. But he says, if you're going to do that, if you're going to live in God's house, there's a certain way you have to live. There's a certain, there's some certain things that you have to do. I've got some friends in Florence, and, um, and some of you do the same thing, I'm sure, but I think specifically about these people. I've got some friends in Florence, and, and she has a rule in her house that when you come in her house, you have to take your shoes off. Anybody else have that kind of rule in their house? And that's cool. That's cool for you. But when I come in and I see a big stack of shoes over in the corner, and I realize I've got to take mine off too because I'm in your house and I've got to follow your rules. You know what the first thing I think about is? Do my feet stink? How many of you would think the same thing? Do my feet stink? And so I knew before I went over to their house, I needed to wash my feet and put on clean socks because I didn't want to have dirty smelling feet in their house. And God says that that's how it is. When you come into my house, I've got some great things for you. I've got some important things for you. But when you come into my house, you're going to have to live by my rules. And that's what Paul's trying to explain to these Christians. That's what Paul's trying to explain to these Christians. And then he says, I urge you. And I love this phrase, even though it just seems so simple. I urge you, this word urge carries two meanings put together, up close encouragement, up close encouragement. And I love that idea because what Paul is saying is he's saying, I'm getting personal with you. A lot of times in the church, our encouragement may sometimes come from a distance and it may not always be the most encouraging as it is just telling you what you ought to do. But Paul says here, look, as we're helping people in our journey, Okay, as we're walking this journey with people, I need to encourage you. And so uh, an example of this would be, you know, Wally has been leading singing. How long have you been leading singing, Wally? How, how, how many years have you been leading singing? 68 years. Anybody else been leading singing for 68 years? Judd, where's Judd? How long have you been leading singing? About two Okay, so what Wally has done is Wally goes, hey, I'm urging Judd. That's, that's what Wally said when he started worshiping with us. He goes, I want to work with Judd. Judd's a great song leader in his own right, but I want to help him be better. I want to urge him. I want to encourage him close up. I want to take him and say, hey, look, I've got some of this experience over here, and let me help you in your journey. And <coughs> Excuse me. And, 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 and we're going to do that in a positive and encouraging way. Not in a, in a pulling you down, in, a, in an encouraging way. 
that pushes you into a, 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 great, a great kind of ministry and service in your own right. Okay, and, and so then he goes on. So we're going to add on to the next kind of section here. Let's see if I've got it. Yeah, he goes, okay. So therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, sacrifices are something that we understand, but it's really simply from a biblical perspective, right? Like it's, it's uh, think about it. Sacrifices, uh, if you're not, if, if you've never been to church before, if you've never been to church before, and you walk in today and I'm like, hey, we're going to wash you in the blood of the lamb and offer you as a living sacrifice to God. How strange would that sound? Like somebody would be like, nope, I'm going home, not being a part of this, you know. I mean, so, so we're used to some of this language, right? It makes sense to us. But I want you to think about it from their perspective, okay? We think about it simply from kind of the Jewish perspective, but you're talking about Gentiles, and there's not just that Jewish perspective, but there's all these pagan rituals that they would have come out of, and, and sacrifices would have been just a normal kind of thing that they were used to and accustomed to. And he says, look, if you're going to come into this house, if you're going to live here, there's something you're going to have to do, okay? And, I, and, I, and I'm encouraging you to do this. That you're going to have to understand, first and foremost, that you offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And, and this word living simply means just your life, okay? It's, it's not just the act of living. It is the wholeness of your life. So he says, you're going to offer your life, and, and then you, you take the next step in a pleasing way toward God. You're going to offer your life as a living sacrifice. You're going to offer him your life. Your life is the sacrifice, Okay, the, the way that you live, you're giving up all these other things to, to live this certain way. And he says, you're going to do it in a way that is not any longer... Pl- What's the phrase? If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. There's a lot of people in our life we try to please, right? We try to please our kids. We try to please our parents. We try to please our bosses. We try to please our employees. There's a lot of people that we try to please. But Paul says above everything else, you are going to have to. If you're going to live in the house, okay? Paul writes in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He says, i got a gift for you. You come into my house, i got a gift for you. All right? You've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified, you've become a child of God, you've got your gift. But when you come into my house, there's something you've got to do. You've got to give it all to me. You've got to give it all to me. We're going to, hold on right there. Just hold on to that thought. You've got to give it all to me because we're going to circle back around to that in the next verse. But it's not just, it's about living a life that the first and only person that you want to please above everything else is God. And I'm going to tell you why. If you're a dad, raise your hand. You ever feel like you struggle being a dad? You know, if you make it your mission to offer your life in the most pleasing way to God, you know what you're going to be pretty good at? Being a dad. Because that's going to be the most important. And he's going to say, if you're going to make me the most important, I'm going to show you what you need to be the best dad you can. How many moms 
same thing. You ever feel like you struggle being a mom? Maybe quit trying to please the mom in you and just worry about pleasing a God that says, I've given you everything. Bring that pleasing offering. Relationships, husbands and wife, you ever have struggle and tension in that? Most of the time, tension will go away in that relationship when both of you are trying to be a living sacrifice, a life offering to God. So most of our problems we have in our life go away. Not all of them. There's still going to be challenges. But most of the things that we maybe consider struggles are, are, are going to go away when we do this, when we live as living sacrifices. Because we're so busy trying to please this person, this person. This. Are we going to please everybody? No, never. Not going to happen. Okay? But we spin our wheels trying to figure out how to please people. And God says, look, just try to please me. Offer yourself as the most pleasing offering to me as you can. And when you get that thing right, when you get that thing centered, when you get that thing as the focal point of your life, then it's going to trickle down into everything else. And it's going to make positive impacts in your parenting. It's going to make positive impacts in your, parent, your, your, your marriage, in your work relationships, in your school relationship, you, you name it, your dating relationship, your, your mom and dad relationship. That's where it needs to be. Just living as a living sacrifice to God. Now, that's not the most difficult part of this passage. It's the next phrase. Holy and pleasing to God. Holy and pleasing to God. Why would Yeah. 
see, when we have this misconception of holiness, we've got to be careful because it makes us feel like we're never going to be good enough. Like we're never going to be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. It sets us up for failure when we have a misunderstanding of what this really is. So I wanted you to see this morning that holiness is, is being set apart. God has taken me after I have been washed and sanctified and just He's taken me. And he says it over here, and he says, now you have a way to have proper worship or spiritual worship or proper service. And I really like that idea better, proper service. I think the King James puts it that way. Um, the, the, all, the different, all the different translations translate this just a little bit different. Like I said, there's six words that translate worship in our English Bibles, and they all carry a little different meaning. And so what this word means here, what the idea is that he's carrying here is, is worship through my service to God. Okay, so I'm set apart, but now that I'm set apart, what do I need to do? Well, I need to worship God, but I worship him through my service to God. Now, here's the challenge with that. Okay, here's the challenge with that. That last word, worship, is a challenging word for us. Last week, Alex, where are you? Last week, we talked about looking through the lens of what? The mission instead of the lens of tradition. Okay? So when we look at this word, uh, phrase, this word in particular, through the lens of tradition, our mind with worship all of a sudden goes to a time, a place, and a process. And that's a dangerous thing, okay? That's a dangerous thing because the time is 10.30 on Sunday morning. You following me? Worship is when? When do we go to church? 10.30 on Sunday morning. We go to class at 9.30, but we go to church at 10.30. And even through that, Okay, what were the numbers this morning, Brian? What were the mornings, numbers in class? 142? 185. So what does that tell me? That I'm not pointing fingers, but there's uh, about 40 people, for whatever reason, that weren't in class that are here this morning. Some of you probably think this is more important than that. Because this is when we worship. Okay? 
We've got to be there at this time and at this place. We've got to do it in this room. This is the auditorium. We don't want to call it anything special, but yet we have to worship in here together at 1030. And then we have a process. And our process, there's got to be five things that happen. We've got to have prayer. We've got to have singing. We've got to have communion. We've got to have offering. We've got to have preaching. Okay? I want you to think about all those things. Okay, let me back up. I'm not trying to be ugly about any of that this morning. I just want you to think with me for a second, okay? I want you to think with me for a second. We've got to be careful as we're thinking about living in God. And we're thinking about this renovated life that we're trying to live as we're, we're, we're holy and set apart. We've got to get rid of that traditional lens because that traditional lens keeps us from growing. Like I said, six different words that define worship. But our tradition says this. And I've had debates with people that if it doesn't happen in this room, it can't be true worship to God. That's a challenging place to be. If your view of worship is the same at the age of 15 and the age of 50, then there's not been a whole lot of growth in that area. So we have to understand that our service to God is a form of worship. Now, what, what do I mean by that? Our service to God. Well, God has given you something. We talked about this in class this morning. Uh, Jonathan and I talked about this on our podcast last Thursday. God's given you something. Okay? He's given you a talent. He's given you a gift. Now, uh, there again, we think about the traditional end sometimes. Something Jonathan and I talked about in our conversation um, is traditionally we think of talents and gifts as the, able to, the ability to lead song leading and prayer and teach class and those type of things. But some of you aren't song leaders, okay? Raise your hand if you're not a song leader. Okay. Raise your hand if you are a song leader. I'm going to put some new people on the list. So. No. Um, so that, that talent pool is very small. But we think, okay, talent, spiritual gifts have to be spiritual, like we something has to be done here, okay? But what if you're like Will Haley and your gift is working on vehicles, okay? Will, do you lead singing? Does that make you any less valuable to God than Wiley? Hope not. But what if Will did this? What if Will said, hey, the first Friday night, the first Saturday morning of every month, I'm going to bring, I'm going to grab three of these boys down here and we're going to come up here to the church building and we're going to offer free oil changes to single moms. Because I've got the ability to serve in that way. I've got that talent. I've got that love. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to serve this community while also discipling these young men. That is our proper service, our proper ministry. This word worship here is translated worship, service, and ministry in the New Testament. So what that tells me is as I'm living my life as a living sacrifice, as I'm giving my life in wholeness to God, living a life set apart, I have to then figure out what has God given me that I turn around and use to offer service worship to Him. Okay, so after we leave this time, don't get me wrong, this is worship. I'm not saying it's not. I mean, it's important. I'm not saying that it's not. But equally as important is the way you serve God when you walk out of this room. And that's part of your sacrificial offering to God. All right. 
Let's keep going. Then he goes on. Do not conform to the pattern of this world anymore. Do not conform. Do not be identified with or having the outward shape. Um, basically, here's, here's what this idea of conform means, is if I had my guys back up here and I had another white jersey, um, it would be, I'm over here sanctified and holy, okay? But, you know, I enjoy God's house. God's house is comfortable. God's house is heated and it's cool. It has a beautiful swimming pool. It has a big, huge walk-in shower. It's got all the closet space in the world. It's so wonderful. I've been justified. I've been washed. I'm, I'm holy before God. It's so great and grand. But every now and then, I like to put my white jersey back on because those other guys in the white jersey, we used to have a lot of fun together. <laughs> We used to really, we used to have a lot of fun together. We, and, and so this is what one guy says. He says, don't have this relationship with the world that it's, that it's easy to just slip back into it. Okay, that's what conformity is. That it's just easy once you've been living in the house to just walk out and just slip right back into that lifestyle because this is not how it works. And we're guilty of this. We're guilty of this if I love the house. But every now and then, I... I, I I'm not putting my white jersey away. I'm holding on to it. Because there's going to be times that I'm wanting, I'm going to have this desire to go back out there and live that life a little bit. But then I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back because I want to have God. I need God. All right. God's, God saves me. God keeps me out of hell. But every now and then. No, he says, don't. Don't conform to that. Don't, don't, don't live your life in a way that you just easily into it and slip out of it. Because when I'm living my life as a living sacrifice, I got to get rid of those things. I'm in the house now. Okay? I, I, I'm in the house. I mean, once, once you've had Linda Mize's chili in the house, the award-winning chili, Ryan's Buffet's chili is just not that good. Sometimes we want to slip back into it. But he says, instead of conforming to the pattern of this world, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is something I learned this week. Let me go ahead and put the whole thing up there. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This word transform is the same word, Greek word used, the same root word for transfigure. Okay, so in Matthew chapter 17, Matthew chapter 17, Jesus takes his kind of some of some of his closest buddies up the top of the mountain. And what does he do in front of them? He's transformed. He transfigures into his, his holiness. Okay. In, in essence, he kind of sheds the physical for a moment, and all you see is the holiness of Jesus. And it's an amazing thing. And it's a powerful thing and a glorious thing. And, and to me, I, I hear that word transform and connect it with that and say a transformed life is all about me letting Jesus shine through from here on out as I'm transforming into a vessel. Paul says in, in the book of 2 Corinthians, he said we're broken vessels. 
And, and a lot of times, you like to keep broken things at home? What do you do with broken things? Throw them away. You get rid of them. But not us. Because you see, when we're broken, those cracks that maybe we're ashamed of, those holes that, that we want to hide, those are just places for Jesus to shine through. Paul says, when I'm weak, he is strong. When I struggle, he shines through. So we live this sacrificial life. We get welcomed into the home. We live a life of service, worship. We say, I'm not going to conform anymore. I'm, I'm getting rid of the white jerseys. I'm, I'm just in the red from here on. And I'm going to live a life in which Jesus shines through everywhere I go. He says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You, you want to know what Jesus wants for you in your life? He says, live this life, and then you're going to be able to figure it out. Now, I'm excited because this is, this is the jumping off point, okay? There's a whole chapter following here that says, okay, because you may look at this and go, okay, Matthew, I get what it says, but how do I do this? And that's what the rest of the chapter is. Next week, Jonathan's going to take the next paragraph, and then we're going to come back into the rest of December. We're going to break down the rest of chapter 12. And I'm excited about what it can mean for us because we're all living this fix-it life. We're all living, uh, we, we, we've got, we, we've got, you know, all this stuff, that, this junk that we need to get rid of and that we need to renovate in our life so that we can live in the house of God, so that we can be holy, so that we can be set apart. And so I want to encourage you to spend some time in Romans chapter 12 over the next few days. I know there's a lot going on this week for many of you, but really just, just allow that stuff to sink into you this week as you study the word of God. Let's go to God in prayer and then we'll close our time of study together. God, we just thank you. We thank you for filling our lives. And we just pray, God, that, that, that we can put our struggles behind us. We're never gonna get rid of them, but help us, God, to renovate our life in a positive way, to fill our life with your spirit, to get rid of the worldly things, to come to you as a life sacrifice, a pleasing sacrifice, offering you the best that we have. Help us to worship you in every aspect of our life, not just when we're in this room, God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his blood. We thank you for the chance of salvation that comes from him and through him, God. Help us to live our life worthy of that every day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.